open your cerebral cortex and shift your lobes into upper beta phase because you are going to have Bitcoin knowledge transmitted directly into your vestibulocochlear. Your host of Bitcoin Knowledge is Trace Mayer, an early Bitcoin advocate since it cost a quarter, but this is not intended to be investment advice. A doctor of jurisprudence, but this is definitely not legal advice. And an investor in core cryptocurrency infrastructure, including Armory, BitPay, Kraken, and Nitagio, but this is not a recommendation of those services. Here, you get fed via direct mind download with pure and free Bitcoin knowledge. Welcome back to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast. It's New Year's Day, January 1st, 2016, and this is episode 185. Good gracious, we've done a lot of these. Uh, So, you know, this is going to be a recap of 2015 for both Bitcoin and for the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast. I'm going to talk a little bit about who I think the Bitcoin MVP is for 2015, and I hope you guys find this uh, interesting and useful. So, first off, Bitcoin has been one of the best performing assets of 2015. Started off the year around $275, ended the year around $435. Nice. Uh, We also saw it was a big year of rebranding, the year of blockchain. Uh, Blythe Masters was on the cover of a Bloomberg magazine about blockchain. You know, just all these fintech innovation centers are popping up at banks. Uh, They all have Bitcoin and blockchain startups in them. It's really been a big year for the blockchain. Once again, Satoshi has not been found. Remember 2014 Newsweek ambushed some poor old man named Dorian Nakamoto saying he was Satoshi. Uh, This year we had the New York Times go after Nick Zabo and Wired went after Craig Wright. (laughs) Interesting, they were both on a panel with me at a uh, Las Vegas uh, conference. Will the real Satoshi please stand up? Um, The law came down on several people really, really hard this year. Uh, Ross Albrecht, Silk Road, convicted and sentenced to life in prison. Uh, Rogue government agents involved in the Silk Road uh, investigation, they stole bitcoins. They got sentenced to about seven years each. Mark Kerpelis of Mt. Gox, he got charged with theft stealing hundreds of millions of dollars worth of Bitcoins. Uh, Josh Garza of Gaw Miners, he got charged with fraud. Uh, Shiny Flakes, a 20-year-old out of Germany, he got charged with running a dark market. Uh, So the law came down on a lot of people. Uh, The bit license went into effect in New York State in 2015. Uh, ItBit got granted a trust license. Uh, And this trust license is a big deal. They can be a custodian. Uh, The DTCC has this type of license, and they hold trillions of dollars of assets. Uh, So that's a big deal. We also saw Gemini, Circle, uh, some other players either get similar types of licenses or the bit license. Uh, So, you know, that's exciting. In episode 174, I had a discussion with Brian Donegan from the Isle of Man government, and we talked about the Proceeds of Crime Act and the Designated Businesses Act which both went into effect in 2015. And it provides a very good regulatory and legal environment for Bitcoin-related businesses. What we're looking forward to on the legal front, uh, and I discussed in episode 145 with Paul Chow, the CEO of LedgerX, is 
uh, derivatives getting approval uh, to, to operate derivatives. And so he wants to have a swap, swap execution facility to be doing uh, fully delivered Bitcoin derivatives. Uh, very exciting stuff. So hopefully that'll get approved along with the Winklevi ETF. Uh, you know, the, the community just took hit after hit after hit in 2015. It's really been, uh, you know, tough on the community. I think a good, you know, a good starting place is the Bitcoin Foundation because it just kind of epitomizes a lot of the problems that we have. Remember, the Bitcoin Foundation, it was started by Mark Karpelis, Peter Vesnes, Charlie Schrem, and Gavin Anderson, Andreessen. And, I mean, look at this cast of characters. Charlie Schrem's in prison for two years right now, uh, the first Bitcoin felon convicted and sentenced. Uh, Peter Vesnes of CoinLab, uh, lots of lawsuits, lots of scandals, uh, just a, you know, real bad apple. Uh, Mark Karpelis of Mt. Gox, need we say more? And then Gavin. Now, part of the problem is, you know, these guys also, when they, when they, when they created the foundation, they named Satoshi as a founding board member without his consent. I mean, what the hell was Gavin thinking associating Satoshi's name with all of these guys? And, you know, Gavin is still, after all these years, he's still the chief scientist for the Bitcoin Foundation. So we can assume that everything that this foundation's been doing is being done with his knowledge and with his consent. And so what's happened? Well, it's really lost its democratic mandate. Uh... One of the board members was elected on a platform to shut the foundation down. And instead, Brock Pierce, Bruce Fenton, and Bobby Lee have co-opted the foundation. Uh, they've forced out uh, Oliver, you know, who had been elected on the platform to shut it down. Uh, they've forced him out along with another board member. They've replaced him with board members of their own decree. Uh, and so it's largely lost its democratic mandate, you know, trying to co-opt the branding, trying to co-opt the, the status that this Bitcoin foundation has in the eyes of the lay public, the, the people and the journalists that aren't in the Bitcoin community itself. Uh, I think it's, you know, very damaging just to the community as a whole, to all the companies. Uh, why not just shut it down and start anew? Additionally, I mean, it doesn't have any credibility. It's founded by a bunch of scammers and, and felons, right? Um, and, you know, we've also got, you know, Gavin excluded, you know, and Peter, I guess, because, uh, you know, they're not felons, of course. But, you know, Mark Carpellis and Charlie Shrimp, Charlie's a convicted one. Mark is, uh, you know, been arrested for it. Um, but... You know, we, we've got Coin Center with Jerry Brito. We've got the MIT Media Lab where Gavin's now got a salary. Uh, we've got the Chamber of Digital Commerce. Like, why do we even need the Bitcoin Foundation? We, I mean, we don't really need it. Like, let's just shut it down. Um, and then, you know, in addition to all of this, we've got the block size debate, which has really gotten pretty toxic. Uh, and I mean, People, people tried to break Bitcoin with stress tests uh, related to this block size debate. There was no material effect on the network as a whole. And really, only some wallets had to get upgraded 
because of some of these edge cases. And so the Bitcoin ecosystem actually came out better as a result of, uh, as a result of the stress test. Mike Hearn, who's been a very divisive figure uh, in this process, he's pretty much been banished from the developer community because he's so toxic. Uh, there was scaling Bitcoin that took place in both Montreal and Hong Kong, where a lot of the developers all got together, got to really talk and communicate and hash a lot of this stuff out. Um, Gavin and Jeff, they've made a lot of noise in 2015, but they haven't actually contributed a lot of code uh, to to the Bitcoin core project. And, you know, because I, I was actually going through and looking because I'm like trying to find who the MVP is for 2015, right? Like, is it one of these two? Uh, no, not really. Um, there's been no significant expectation for large merchant adoption. Uh, you know, we look at BitPay, uh, Jeff Garzik, he got laid off by BitPay. We, had, we actually had to lay off 30 plus other people there. Uh, you know, very tough, tough thing to do. But it's because there's not really that merchant demand on the on the immediate horizon. Meanwhile, Greg Maxwell, you know, he synthesized a roadmap for Bitcoin Core that's been signed by 60 plus other developers on how we want to scale and proceed forward. Uh, so I think that, you know, it's largely been decided. We've come to consensus as a community. But, you know, some of these personalities like Gavin or Mike or Jeff, uh, are going to get somewhat marginalized in their vision for what they want to do or or see Bitcoin become because uh, they can't get the consensus to their side of the argument. And it'll be interesting to see how we move forward, whether they're going to go form their own development teams, their own implementations, try to lobby miners uh, or whatever, you know. My contribution to the debate, I'm pretty ambivalent actually about the block size. What I'm more interested in is... Uh, why we would want to raise the block size. And that gets more to the question, why should we hire Bitcoin? And I think that's what I've contributed in this debate is the community as a whole really taking a hard look and thinking about why should we hire Bitcoin? Uh, and, you know, I think that's a good thing to have happened. Uh, near the end of the year, uh, Bitmain introduced the Antminer S7 and Bitfury introduced a new chip. So we've got new generation ASIC chips. The hash rate has absolutely exploded, racing towards one exahash. The network's more secure than ever. Uh, you know, so it's very positive, I think, across the board. When we, you know, when I look at everything that's gone on in the ecosystem, when I look at everybody who's participated, who's the Bitcoin MVP for 2016? Who's the most valuable player? Dr. Peter Woolley. It's SIPA, obviously. Uh, had you know he just hit a grand slam. Uh, first was BIP sixty six, you know, where he's basically prevented a potential hard fork bug uh, in the consensus code. Then there's the Libsec two fifty six k one. It tinkers and makes more secure some of the most fundamental parts of Bitcoin. I mean, to be able to rewrite something like that, amazing, amazing work that he's done. Uh, and then segregated witness. I mean, hello, you know, it optimizes how we use the block size, gives us a 4, 4x increase, basically. That represents true scalability because when we go to increase the block size later, we get to multiply it by how we're using it more, how we're using uh, the block size more efficiently. Plus, it fixes other outstanding problems like transaction mailability. 
So, you know who I noticed didn't participate a lot in the block size debate is SIPA. And what, what was SIPA doing? He was writing a lot of code. Uh, that's what we need more of. We need less people yapping and more people writing code uh, like SIPA. So, you know, props to props to, to Wooly for being our most valuable player in Bitcoin for 2015. Uh, so switching gears from Bitcoin as a whole to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast, uh, what did we see with the podcast? You know, all you loyal listeners out there. And actually, I know that there are actually listeners to it. Uh, I ran into some of you at conferences. Uh, you do exist. It, you know, I'm not just uh, having chats with uh, my buddies, you know, over coffee. But we actually have a lot of people who get to hear those chats. In 2014, yeah, that's pretty much when I started Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast, October-ish. We had 23 episodes, 11 hours and 20 minutes worth of content. Uh, in 2015, we had 62 episodes, uh, 28 hours and 52 minutes of content. Uh, so about 1.2 episodes per week, you know. I'm and I'll get to it a little bit later, but I'm you know trying to figure out how to how I want to work the schedule out with this thing. December, we had about 16,000 downloads. That's kind of crazy when you think about it. Four episodes, 16,000 downloads, not too shabby. The largest month was September. We had the entire series with Dr. Adam Back, and then the most popular episode also in September, which was episode 170. And that's where Adam Back and Gavin and I have an 80-minute discussion on the block size debate. Uh, so, you know, go, go check out some of these older episodes. Uh, we I try to make the interviews so that uh, they have a very long shelf life, you know, so... Most of the episodes, you know, you could go back and listen to them six months later and you'll actually get something out of them. You'll get to meet the personalities. I try to guide the questions so that they'll still be relevant. The answers will be relevant, you know, six months, 18 months later. So, you know, really go through the archive and yeah, try to, you know, if you want to see some of the content, you want to meet some of these guests, uh, that's a great way to do it. You know, and, and really that's one of the main reasons uh, I do the podcast is to give these guests exposure. Uh, so I want to I want to give them exposure that has a very long shelf life, uh, isn't just like the current news, um, you know, because we have so many people doing so many cool things in Bitcoin and uh, people need to hear about it, you know, and so that's one of the reasons I do the podcast and none of the guests pay to get on the on the show. I, you know, I have to think they're one of the top people in Bitcoin uh, and, you know, I ask hard, objective questions of the guests. So, I mean, they they have to have their crap together if they're going to come come on here because you know I'm I'm not going to give them an f- easy time. Some of the con, you know, and and I think this got reflected in some of the comments that I saw throughout the year from different uh, fan members and listeners to the show. Uh, James Doyle of JamesSoValueSmarter.com. Uh, Fintech Switzerland had actually tweeted out about the top 10 fintech podcasts. And he tweeted back, if you want a number 10, check out Bitcoin Knowledge. Uh, And another tweet, and Trace, you made it to my top five fintech podcasts, end of quote. So that was really cool. Um, BG uh, at Cali Bitcoin has made some of my favorite tweets, actually, of the year. Um, One of them, 
was at Trace Mayer, new Bitcoin podcast, make me happy, end of quote. And he, he had this picture of this guy just hugging this little pug dog. And it's really, yeah, I made my day. Um, you know, some of the other other quotes from him, love the podcast, just tip $5 in Bitcoin. Thanks for your efforts. Uh, talking about the Adam Back series. Uh, the series is a must listen for all of us who are deep in the Bitcoin rabbit hole. Uh, in August, you know, I'm sorry, I only had one episode in August. You know, it got busy in the summer, right? Uh, he tweeted, quote, what happened to your podcast? I absolutely loved it. Bring it back. Three exclamation points. Uh, you know, and I'll talk about this later. The Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast, we're going to be here in 2016. We're going to do a lot of episodes. Uh, I've, got, I've got a plan for it already. Uh, so don't worry. I'm not just going to turn it off, uh, even though it costs a lot of money. Um, Tony De Silva quote hands down the Bitcoin podcast series the best the best Bitcoin podcast series is Trace Mayer's Bitcoin Knowledge. Uh, Ira Miller he he'd worked on Coinapult quite a few other projects. A good friend of mine since 2011 in the space quote Trace Mayer telling it like it is. <laughs> so back to that objective uh, hard question part of uh, the the interview series. Lord Ashdrake of the Whale Club, quote, Trace Mayer for Bitcoin CEO role. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't, I don't know if Bitcoin needs a CEO. Uh, we do need people that, that are keepers of the vision, though. We, you know, and, and we, we have to have kind of a unified vision for the community going forward. And so if the podcast can kind of play that role, I, you know, I suppose that would be good. We get to have discussions from a lot of the top people. Uh, whether it's Gavin or Back or Garzik or Paul Chow, you know, we get to see a lot of what's going on throughout the whole ecosystem. Uh, it, it really helps us understand what's going on and, and formulate a better vision. Uh, so then, you know, we can all be making those CEO role type decisions. Uh, Alex B uh, on Twitter, quote, Trace Mayer hits the nail right on the head of every single point of this interview, end of quote. And then BTC Drac, who's been quite uh, verbose on Twitter, quote, watch this, all caps, at Trace Mayer, absolutely gets it, end of quote. Uh, so that is pretty cool. Uh, Rodolfo Novak, CEO of CoinKite. And th this this endorsement from him actually means a lot to me. Uh, they, they've made a multi-sig wallet. They process about 10% of all the Bitcoin transactions uh, daily. He said, uh, quote, thanks, great chat with Trace, end of quote. So thanks, Rodolfo. Um, Ivar Mosman, quote, another insightful and inter interesting podcast on Bitcoin with Trace Mayer and Eric Voorhees. Uh, Krzysztof Atlas, he's a security engineer at blockchain.info. Quote, this interview series between Trace Mayer and Adam Back has been a joy to listen to, uh, end of quote. Uh, Manuel Arroz, he worked at BitPay, did a lot of work on Copay Wallet and some other stuff. Quote, great interview by Trace Mayer and Adam Back, a great tale of Bitcoin and cryptography history, end of quote. Uh, and then there's Ryan Walker. Uh, I don't know Ryan, but he said, quote, a, gr a good Bitcoin listen from Trace Mayer and Jeff Garzik, end of quote. Uh, Ken Shishido, also on Twitter, he's the co-organizer of the Tokyo Bitcoin meetup. He said, quote, Trace Mayer, always respect your wide-angle knowledge and easy-to-understand analogy, end of quote. 
And then Justin Blinko, he's actually a buddy of Ira's, uh, he said, quote, living in Latin America, always love hearing the stories Trace Mayer uncovers to validate my thoughts, end of quote. And so, you know, that that actually means a lot to me, especially in this block size debate. You know, it makes me wonder how many of the people chiming in are, like, doing it sincerely. You know, maybe they're getting paid to just spread a lot of disinformation, to try to divide the community. I mean, we don't know. Uh, and it could be on either side. I mean, we could just we could have a bunch of trolls from the Butcoin subreddit over just trying to wreck havoc or whatever. Um, so you know, it's nice to see that my peers and my colleagues uh, listen to the podcast, take it seriously, uh, and have a good opinion of it. It means a lot to me. So you know, assuming seventy five percent of the downloads are listened to. Uh, then we had about 2,200 hours listened to, and that means that we saved about 75 hours uh, by having the podcast edited, because I have an audio editor that edits most of the episodes. If I'm assuming $100 per hour for each listener's time and attention, then that's about $7,500. Uh, I was doing the accounting had about $10,000 of expenses, a little over that for 2015, not counting travel expenses to different conferences uh, to produce the podcast. Um, So it's definitely been a loss leader in that sense. There have been over 150 unique tips, though, a little over two bitcoins, so definitely not enough to cover the cost of the podcast. Um, but it means that there are a bunch of listeners out there that really do care about the podcast that are, you know, are willing to take some type of action with it. Um, but, you know, I got to make like the podcast does need to be self-sustainable. You know, I uh, if that means, you know, not having an audio editor, then uh, might go down that route. I actually want to continue having an audio editor and maybe make it a little bit more fancy with some of the the sounds or different sections and segments. So uh, anyways, at least for 2016, I'm going to continue having an audio editor for all the episodes. I'm going to try to crank out one episode a week. So that's the goal. going to have about 60 episodes for the year is going to be the goal. Uh, want to send them out on Tuesdays, Tuesday night. Uh, and, you know, the question is... You know, how do we make it sustainable? Like, one, tips don't really, you know, they're not really viable. Uh, I don't like traditional advertising. I mean, I listen to podcasts. I I don't like traditional advertising the way, you know, oh, this is brought to you by Audible or whatever. Like, I just don't really like that. And I definitely don't like the idea of guests paying to access the audience. Um you know, none of these guests pay to be on the podcast. I don't pay any of them to be on the podcast. Uh, I like having objective interviews, hard questions, and and then I can, you know, and, and I treat competitors, even to companies I've invested in, like episode 131 with Eric Lombroso of, with M Signal Wallet, uh, with great respect, if they've earned it. You know, if people, if people 
put in the work and they, they've earned the respect, like I give them the respect. And I, you know, when we start met, trying to admit, when it's not a self-sustainable project, we have to take like sponsorships, like, oh, this is brought to you by New Bits or whatever. It just, I think it dilutes the message quite a bit. So I don't want to do that either. Um, there are a few things that you as listeners can do to support the podcast. One, you could leave a five-star review on iTunes. And I've actually got step-by-step instructions on www bitcoin.kn where you can know exactly how to do that because it's kind of convoluted in the iTunes store to leave reviews. Two, and this is perhaps even more important, you can tell your friends about the podcast. You can share it on the forums. You can recommend guests, you know, all that type of stuff. Uh, You know, really just spreading it word of mouth. That helps, you know, get gets a lot more discussion going on uh, amongst the community. And, you know, don't just share it for the sake of the podcast, but share it for the sake of the guests. Uh, you know, when I when I go out of my way to interview some of these guests at conferences or whatever, you know, they've, they've spent money to travel to these conferences. They're trying to do business deals. They're trying to find customers. They're trying to build our ecosystem. And when I go out of my way to interview them for the podcast, it helps them get this kind of wider distribution that multiplies their efforts in trying to build the ecosystem. And so, you know, for the sake of our guests, like, you know, spread around some of these interviews and stuff, like share them on Reddit, like uh, post them on different forum boards, send them to your friends if you think they might find them interesting. Uh, It really helps our guests out a lot, uh, in my opinion. And so, you know, since I listened to a lot of podcasts, I was thinking, man, because I was also on a I was on a panel with Andreas, and by the way, we have an interview with Andreas coming out in the next few weeks. Uh, but I was on a panel with him and Eric Voorhees, uh, and we have another interview with Eric coming out in a few weeks too. It's going to be be a very interesting uh, next month, month and a half. Uh, but you know, Andreas was talking about how how. You know, it's cost them a lot of money to really be out there at conferences, be speaking, be spending all this time and attention, opportunity costs, making videos, all this stuff, and how, you know, he hasn't really been compensated monetarily for it. And and it's, you know, been tough for him financially. And I, you know, you can't eat downloads, you can't eat views, uh, especially if I'm paying, you know, to have people edit the podcast and stuff. Like, how do I make it financially sustainable? And at the end of the day, I really believe that whoever adds the most value is going to make the most money. So I immediately thought, like, well, what can I do that would add more value to the audience uh, that would, like, really help them out? And so I created a resources page on www.bitcoin.kn. And on this resources page, I have uh, I found some of the products that are for sale on Amazon that have really made a big difference in my life. You know, I found snacks, I found sleep. Uh, you know, products that really have helped with my sleep, um, cognition. Uh, at a lot of these Bitcoin conferences, you know, I, I do a lot of biohacking and mind hacking. And so, uh, like, you know, lion's mane mushroom or MC2 oil or alpha brain, like some of these things, you know, nootropic stacks, like 
we, we get a lot of discussion going on about this stuff and, uh, and meditation, you know, muse headband, oral health. Uh, I mean, a lot of people use just whatever toothbrush, like, I mean, I, I have a bamboo toothbrush that I buy off of Amazon that's both biodegradable and it's BPA free. I mean, why are people sticking BPA toothbrushes in their mouth? I mean, oh my gosh, uh, your immune system, like, you know, what can you do to boost your immune system, be healthier? Uh, Bitcoin, how do you do cold storage right? Like with Armory, with a G, you know, I have links to a GPS navigator, a survivor box, a laminator and laminator pouches, uh, along with links to like the how-to videos on how to use Armory, like fragmented backups and lock boxes and KeyPass X. And so like on this resources page, I, you know, I found the, just the most potent products that I've, that I've bought myself, uh, divided them up into some of these different areas and added links. So what happens is if you go to that page and you click on that link, the link will take you to Amazon where you can buy the product. And if you buy that product or anything else at Amazon over the next 24 hour period, then there will be a commission that'll help support the podcast and it doesn't increase your cost at all at Amazon. So it's basically like you're able to throw in some money into the tip jar, but it doesn't actually cost you anything extra other than going to the website, going to the resources page, and then like clicking on the link. And that's a way that you can, you can throw a tip in the tip jar for the podcast, but actually not have it cost you any money. Uh, you know, quite a few podcasts and websites do this. So, you know, I'd really recommend whenever you go to buy something on Amazon and most people who are listening to this podcast, I'm sure they buy stuff on Amazon. Um, you know, like try to throw a tip in either to a charity, to one of your favorite podcasts, whatever, you know, and so I created this resources page to hopefully help out you as the listeners, show you some of the really cool products I bought myself, provide easy links to go find them on Amazon where, you know, you just click on the link and you buy anything on Amazon. Even if you don't buy that product, you buy something else, uh, throws a little tip in the chip jar, tip in the tip jar and helps support the podcast. So I think that's a way that I can add more value uh, and make the podcast more uh, financially self-sustainable. So I really would uh, appreciate any cooperation or help that you guys as the listeners are able to do to help uh, throw a little bit of money in the tip jar for the, uh, for the editing because it's really for your benefit. What are we looking forward to in 2016? Well, as I, as I hinted at, I want to have a more consistent publishing schedule. And so I want to get edited episodes out uh, Tuesday nights. And why Tuesday? I just, no real reason other than, uh, you know, gives you something to listen to during the week. Uh, but that's kind of the goal. 60 episodes throughout the year going to be the goal. And uh, I'm going to be at BTC Miami at the end of January. And I'm going to be at Anarchapoco with Jeff Berwick and Doug Casey and uh, Cody Wilson and a bunch of other guys uh, in Acapulco, Mexico in February. So going to be getting lots of uh, podcast interviews. What do I think is going to happen with Bitcoin in 2016? Ah, the, the $5 billion question, right? Uh, I think we're going to see more volume. I think we're going to see more merchant adoption. And I think we're going to see a higher Bitcoin price. 
Uh, we've had a long, long bear market. Uh, sure, we're up, you know, significantly over 2015, uh, but really, you know, we're still consolidating. The industry is still kind of getting its bearings. Uh, once this bear market's done, we could see a much, much higher Bitcoin price. I also think we're going to see a lot of progression towards scalability. Uh, the Lightning Network's going to have a lot of work done on it. Dryja and Poon, as I interviewed them in episode 179, I'm, I highly, uh, respectful of the work they're doing over there. Also, Rusty Russell. I think we're going to see a lot more investments in Bitcoin and blockchain technology. It's estimated that worldwide the banks are going to spend about $500 million. And this is only on proofs of concepts. Uh, we're going to see the real projects getting deployed in 2017, 2018, 2019. And so between now and then, we're going to continue to see a calling of the herd. Uh, and I discussed this with Bart Stevens of Blockchain Capital in episode 172, and also with Jim Robinson, a managing partner at RR&E, one of the premier venture capital investment firms, uh, in episode 135. So, you know, those are still applicable. You can go back and listen to those. Very helpful. Uh, <laughs> someone wrote an article titled, The Real Reason Your Bitcoin Startup Can't Get Funded. And uh, Samurai Wallet, he, he responded in a tweet, quote, The real reason is your Bitcoin startup has no viable product and no viable paying customers. Why do we hire Bitcoin at Trace Mayer? End of quote. So it's nice to see that uh, my agitation uh, is actually getting applied in more useful ways throughout the ecosystem. And so I think, you know, 2016 is going to be a huge year. Uh, episode 157, I gave an impromptu off the cuff uh, presentation at Cripsa. And everybody seemed to just absolutely love that presentation, which is why I made it into episode 157. And I talk about the seven distinct network effects that are taking root with Bitcoin. And 2016, they're going to continue taking root. They're going to continue getting built out. And there is no other project anywhere close to being competitive. Uh, and... You know, if people really, like, if it were really that big a deal being able to send lots of transactions fast, uh, then Dogecoin or Litecoin would have a lot more traction than they do. But they don't. They don't have a $5 billion market cap. Uh, Bitcoin's got a $5 billion market cap. We can take it slow. We can take it conservative. We can do it first. And we can do it right. And it's going to be a big year. Uh, so thank you, all you listeners. Uh, spread the podcast around, spread Bitcoin around, uh, and, you know, have a wonderful 2016. Make it all that you can. And that's the end for uh, the recap of 2015. And just once again, another shout out to SEPA, our 2015 Bitcoin MVP. Get a copy of the free Bitcoin guide at freebitcoinguide.com. Got a question or suggestion? Record your voice at bitcoin.kn. Don't be shy. To help the show, share bitcoin.kn with friends, post about it on Reddit, and otherwise, spam the interwebs. 
Your iTunes comments and five-star reviews are very important to us. Please continue tuning in to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast, where we release interviews with the top people in the Bitcoin world. Now take some choline and let that Bitcoin knowledge consolidate. Yeah. <laughs>